Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. So businesses are slowly opening up again, which means that um, there's light now at the end of the tunnel that I can see. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, like the light. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go back in your hole, don't you? I do. I, um, I took advantage of um, visiting uh, the Old Navy that opened up last week. Um, you got to go inside? I got to go inside. I was like oh, one of the yeah. first customers in there. And I was like a kid in the candy store. I practically bought a bunch of stuff a lot of clothes that they didn't sell before the pandemic obviously they got to clear the racks to prepare for yeah new, uh, stuff coming in for this summer so i'm just saying now's the time to uh stock up on your summer wear because um uh, the deals are out there oh yeah now is now's the time <clears throat> i mean i've been needing to go clothes shopping for a long time <laughs> but Let's i haven't shopping. done it Shopping. I think because I I'm like an online shopper. I don't like going where other people are. <laughs> <laughs> so you are totally fine with social distancing. <laughs> Listen, when they were like, you don't have to be around people. I was like, great, great. <laughs> I know, I know how don't you tell feel. me twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and salons, uh, right? Aren't, do I believe that the salons open up in phase three? Phase three, right? Like yeah. hair salons or nail salons? Because <laughs> I need the nail salons to open up. <laughs> I mean, institutions need to get back to work before we are clear to go back to work. That's all I'm saying. Because uh, that's an essential an essential situation before we head back. <laughs> like, there's so much going on in my face right now that just needs to go away. <laughs> and I cannot take care of it myself. <laughs> These eyebrows are like, woo, you know? Renee, I'm going to buy like a little kit and I'm going to come <laughs> over. <laughs> there's just too many. I tried plucking last week and I was like, oh my God, it hurts you know, so you much. You have good tweezers though? I don't know, girl. I told you to it's get good fun. ones. No. You know, you could buy one of those stencils and then you can just pluck around the area that, you know, you want to shake. It's, it's so much. You don't, they you, have stencils? No. They, yeah. Well, yeah, you just put it over your eyebrow and then it allows you to pluck around the area so you keep the shape or the shape that you want. Hmm. Oh. It's a guide. It's a guide for those who have problems plucking. I'm going to tell you guys a story. <laughs> so I plucked the eyebrows because they were getting, like, they were starting to, like, braid on each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was I was like oh my lady usually trims them up so I decided to trim them and I trimmed and now I have like a, a bag of, a, of an eyebrow you just like cut you scissors yes <laughs> and I have a bag of an eyebrow now and I don't think so when is my lady coming back to work there's, there's, a, there's a reason why people get trained on how to do this <laughs> Can you imagine she lets that thing grow? Her hair grows just over her eyes. Uh, I'm looking forward to wearing a mask at work. That's what I'm telling you. I'm a full face mask? 
Yep. <laughs> yep. Like all you see are just Renee's eyes. That's it. That's all you're going to be able to see. <laughs> or maybe it's like a full face so. mask of like your face. <laughs> so it's still you. Maybe. I don't know. Just like I don't know. know. <laughs> or maybe like someone can carry me on a computer. So I stay at home and I'm virtually there on a computer. So everyone just takes me around <laughs> from office to office. And I stay home. I'm okay with that. Like I'm not. I see the light and I'm like, oh, let me cover my eyes a little bit. I'm not ready for that. It's I'm blinding good. you. I'm good. <laughs> Yes, it's so true. Uh, but it is good that people are getting back to work and things are starting up. But I personally don't. I like the energy we had of cool, smooth. It just allowed us to kind of breathe and take a different look at life. And now it's starting to ramp up again. And I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we did get a question uh, on Facebook from one of our listeners. We did. We which did. is related to this subject. Yeah. What was that, uh, well, Adina Welly asked, how do you think the entertainment industry gets back on its feet after its pandemic? I know. <laughs> on crutches. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to hobble our way through this madness because uh, it's not like you can hop on an easy ECV and cruise your way through Well, this. that would be cruising right in, but maybe like a one-legged scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Adina, to answer your question, we don't know. We, we don't really know. We don't know. There's so much guidelines and restrictions as to how, you know, the world's going to operate and depending on what we put up there, I don't know. It's It's a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a, I mean, it is a question mark. I mean, the other thing is that all these people are streaming like crazy. So mm-hmm. it's like maybe the streaming is just going to be. It's going to be the new 50%, thing. 75% yeah. of like what, mm-hmm. what we do. Be. Yeah, yeah, who knows? The film industry can't just jump back in and start filming. I mean, that, there's so much that goes on with a big film crew. We're not going to be making movies anytime soon. I mean, if we were to film movies, I think it'll start with the smaller productions. And a lot of live streaming is happening these days. And that's going to be the latest thing. A lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, But I, I do feel that um, it's also like the precursor of a renaissance because people, creative people have been home mm-hmm. and they've been working on things and Yes, we're taking advantage. And we've talked to some people and they've given us, you know, some ideas that we've shared on the podcast already of what people are doing. Right. Uh, like Jason, who's, you know, doing the streaming and all that. But it seems like it's an opportunity for reconnecting with that creative ability that we have as artists and mm-hmm. putting things together. Like we're doing that with this podcast and I'm sure that yep. there are other folks that are doing the same. Um, Tiffany Spicer Keys, who we're going to be interviewing on this podcast today. Um, she has taken the time to, to look at her business and growing that and marketing herself and the business because she hasn't had time to do that when you're working. And that seems to be the case when we're like working and moving forward. We're so focused on our jobs and what we have to do that we don't have time to 
work on other things that can, you know, also yeah. feed us like that feeds our creativity and gives us mm-hmm. opportunity to express beyond our line of work. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just uh, get to it? Let's get to Tiffany, because I am actually really excited to getting to talk to her today and and learn more about what she does. Yes, she is an actress turned technician earning a Screen Actors Guild by the age of 15. She's established herself as a lighting programmer for film, television, live concerts. Didn't she do the Prince event? Yeah, she did. Um, And corporate events. Mm -hmm, Her and her mm -hmm. team are the most sought out programmers, lighting some of the world's biggest stage. I am so excited. Let's welcome to the show, Tiffany Spicer Keys. Yay! Yay! Yes! Tiffany. Yay. Welcome. Hello, ladies. So nice to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. She's a busy lady. Yeah, it's been great and uh, stressful all at the same time. (laughs) But we're so excited to have you here. Um, We're going to be talking about a lot of different things uh, today, but focusing primarily on starting your own business and the whys behind it, as well as your process. Because uh, like your bio states, you are one of the leading people out there in your industry making it happen. And going from a comfort zone, once you start getting into your history and breaking off and doing your own thing, where did you start and um, how did you get into lighting to begin with? Yeah, because uh, you're an actress, and that just threw me off when <laughs> when I learned about you. You were you're a performer. All of a sudden, now she's turned into this amazing programmer. So, yeah, tell us about the, your journey. Yeah, um, I started seeing dancing as a very very young girl. Uh, my mom was is a full fledged ballerina. Uh, my dad was singing in the Pacific Chorale Choir. So, seeing and dancing my whole way um, growing up. I was part of a dance company, um, toured around the States and around the world, just performing. Um, I did regional theater growing up. I did uh, a small Broadway tour for a summer. Um, My mom jokes about, like, I lived another lifetime as a young adult growing up and having a performance career. I also dabbled in um, a lot of background acting and uh, little stunt performing when I was a kid, which I got a Screen Actors Guild card for, which I still am a member because why not hold on to that? Yes. Uh, yes. And my parents were always big about education. And uh, so I decided to go to college and I got a musical theater scholarship to go to college. So I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing and I'm loving it. And about my sophomore year in college, I was uh, performing during the summer and I just got burnt out. There was just something in me where I was like, you know what? I, I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years at the age of 20 something. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I started talking to the techs and made some friends of the the tech crew. And I'm like, wait, you get, you get hired based on your work ethic and who you are as a person, not whether or not you fit in the costume or how tall you are or how short you are or, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> like, and it, you know, I kind of had like a midlife crisis at the age of and when I went back to go into my junior year, I went to the dean and I said, hey, I'm done. And she kind of just looked at me like, what? And I was like, um, I don't want to do this anymore. And she goes, well, why don't, why don't you keep on doing a, a theater degree, but come and join lighting? And she's like, um, take my classes. You can work in the lighting lab and earn some money by lighting some of the shows and go from there. And I said, okay. 
And I left, uh, I graduated college with uh, an emphasis in lighting. And right after that, I got picked up by Disney. Like one does when they live in Southern California. You either work for Starbucks or you work for Disney. Um, it was a summer job. It was a summer job is what I, what I hear. <laughs> That's all you have to tell yourself. It was just going to be a summer job. It was going to be a summer job. So I got hired and I was just a general stagehand. I was like, hey, whatever you want me to do, I am just happy to be here. Glad to be part of the team. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned uh, carpentry, electrics. Um, I got swift up into the rigging team for a while, uh, doing some rope access. And I got so many opportunities to learn and grow and network at Disney. Um, I got to watch and learn from some of the best programmers out there, which really spark something inside of me. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. This is awesome. I really want to do more of this. And as those connections and those realizations kept going, all of a sudden I found myself like just programming shows and given opportunities to go and like collaborate with directors I used to perform with and uh, dance for. And it became this great uh, collaborative, I keep on saying collaborative process because that's what really this family is, was Disney is this great um, artistic family where we get to Mm -hmm. feed off of one another and develop these amazing shows. And, um, we spoke the same language. We, you know, we were able to talk about like, oh, when she pashas over here and, you know, hits this mark, we want to do this. Okay, great. And so we were able to have that conversation. So opportunities after, after opportunities kept on coming up and, um, along came World of Color. If you haven't seen it, it's at Disney California Venture and it's one of the nighttime spectaculars of Stephen Davison and, um, programmed by amazing people such as uh, Jason Badger, who I got to assist for during its creation. And it was there that I got to really learn a lot about my profession and being a programmer. And it wasn't just about lighting, it was about fountains. And I was like, well, okay, this is a fountain. How, I don't understand why I'm, I've never programmed fountains before. And Jason has a lot of, (laughs) like, what, why am I doing, why am I part of this show? Why am I part of, why did I get selected? And the senior technical director told me and he goes well Tiff you used to be a dancer you understand movement in space you understand musicality you understand fluidity you understand what it is to make something dance and that's what we need is dancing water and I went Mm -hmm. all right you know I think that's a great way of describing what a lighting programmer does but for our listeners who are not as familiar would you mind describing what you do exactly as a programmer this is a great question um for the people who don't know what a lighting programmer is, uh, my mom, who's a, a, a dancer, uh, one day asked me when I was starting off my TV career, she goes, what do you do? Like, I, I watch the show. I see the show. What do you do? And I go, mom, I choreograph lights. And she went, huh. Okay. I'm like, I tell the lights what to do. And I say five, six, seven, eight. And the <laughs> lights do what I told them to do. And she goes, huh. I'm like, great, cool. <laughs> so, uh, so if you watch like, The Voice or Idol or, uh, you know, all those reality competitions, if you watch a concert, the lights and the rig that change colors and move and all that, that's that's what I do. I, I use a computer uh, program to tell the lights where to go, when to go, and how to turn on and off. I, I literally take a light switch and flip it up and down. <laughs> sometimes for 1,200 lights, sometimes for 70. I mean, it just depends. Um, thanks for explaining that so beautifully for our listeners and me, because I love you using that as a way of describing what you do. 
choreography of lights. That's really great. So back to where we were. Um, so you were talking about working at World of Color. So then what happened? So that kind of just like leaped off into everything. Um, and then along came uh, Electronica Med Tea Party. The best and, ever. It was during uh, my time at Med Tea Party where it was like my first big show that I was developing and they decided, uh, Disney decided to bring in an outside designer, Matthew Firestone from Full Flood. And uh, Full Flood does a lot of TV and live concerts outside in the real world. And he uh, came and helped us develop this show along with the um, team that we have. And he's like, you're doing great. Like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm programming shows and being a stagehand. And he goes, do you want to be a programmer? I'm like, yeah, that I, like, I'm programming. And he goes, no, no, no. If I get you a job outside of Disney, will you come and work for me? And I said, oh, yeah, I would love to. And about two months later, he gave me a phone call and uh, he goes, I got a show for you. Are you ready? And I was like, uh, (laughs) sure. And so it began my transition uh, into TV and I started working on the Arsenio Hall show 2.0, but in the 2012, 2013 year. And uh, it it was, it was a huge transition, a huge jump. And it it took me about a good, uh, another six months, I think till I finally left Disney and just fully dove into this new career. How great is that, that he calls you back two months later and not even after a year after that, you were starting your own company. Now tell us, how did that come about? Because I myself um, started a food truck business with my brother, but here you are doing it alone. Tell us about that process and how key lighting came about. Uh entertainment industry is, is in its own a freelance world. And so it's not from, it's not uncommon that people go out in the freelance and not have a company. They just work as an individual and get paid as an individual, be it cash, be it what it may be. And going into this television career, I wanted to have a solid foundation in being taken actually seriously. And so I thought I would be like, oh, I'll just uh, create a company and kind of hide my name as Tiffany Keys. Being in a male dominant industry, I was like, I, I, want, I want my company to be the face of who I am. I don't want to be judged, um, you know, being very scared of stepping out into the real world. I created a company kind of as, as a, a, a facade to hide behind and also um, kind of as a insurance coverage. Um, when you deal with lighting and you deal with lighting venues, uh, a blackout, a strobe can cause some serious damage to personal injuries. So I was like, oh, okay, it would be a good safety net to have um, a company instead of my name being out there. So I wouldn't get sued or anything. So it started actually as just like a, oh, I'm just going to hide behind this little name and, you know, be assurance and coverage. And um, it kind of just started as that as like an LLC. And then as I was trying to refinance a house, uh, they were like, why do you have all these, you know, W-2s? Like I had 15, 20 W-2s one year and my tax was <laughs> like, I think they're laundering money. Like, and you don't have a solid job. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm bringing in like all the, I'm making more money than I have in my entire life. And they're not going to let me get a loan. Like, so uh, it goes, well, maybe you should turn your LLC into a company and just start payrolling yourself. So it looks like you have a, a solid job. And it just grew from there. I had no intention starting out to uh, be a company or be 
leading key lighting as a, a big company out there. So uh, yeah, it just all happened naturally and just as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Girl, I am fully aware of your resume. You've done gigs from the White House lawn to major (laughs) venues in Las Vegas. Being that this is a very competitive field, how do you get your name out there? What is your marketing strategy or the secret to your success? That's a great question. Um, They never, I mean, in college and school, they never taught us how to market ourselves. And very rarely do they teach us how to really believe in ourselves too, to the point of self-confidence. And to jump out of your comfort zone and market yourself based on your strengths and believing in those strengths enough to sell yourself to someone else. Luckily, a lot of my, uh, my gigs have come from networking, like knowing someone and then being um, referred mm-hmm. to a next job. Like it's funny because as a performer, you would get instant feedback. If you would do a combination across the floor, you would get instant feedback. If you went out for an audition, you would get instant feedback. If you went into rehearsal, the director will pull you aside and give you instant feedback. So you would know how to adjust and change for that job. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a tech, and I've had to really change my mindset about this, you don't know whether or not you did a good job until you get or don't get the next gig, until you don't or do get referred for that job, you know, and it's, it's this interesting limbo that you just have to keep on believing yourself and pushing forward and relying on your strengths and playing off of those strengths. And then really tuning into who you are as an individual and finding out what those strengths are, then marketing that and pushing that. But a lot of it is uh, the relationships that you built based on your strengths and weaknesses with other teams. You find a team that rounds out everyone you know, what I have that I'm strong in, someone else can pick up my weaknesses. And that's what builds a great team. We're not all the same. We're, we are very different. And that helps create something that is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So networking has always been a scary thing for me because it's the word networking that gets to me. But I, I see it where it's more about building those relationships because you build the relationships with the people that you work with, then you're going to get the next job. And you're going to get your name out there because people want to work with you. It's clear that that's been your path. And, and I love that. But something else that scares me is starting a business. And I know that I'm not the only one that feels that way. Um, you've mentioned how you went about starting key lighting, but how did you incorporate? What were the steps there? Because that can be intimidating, but I know that your experience, although intimidating as well, is very comprehensible. And I feel that our listeners can benefit from that. Um, it, you know, and uh, no one ever told me how to start a business. And we're very fortunate to live in a world now that we can like Google anything. Mm-hmm. Like, Um, I've known a lot of people um, when I was young that would start a business, but would fail to know that they had to do certain things. But now with online services, they do it for you without going, oh, by the way, we filed these papers for you for the quarter. I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me something I did not know I needed to do. But thank you. That's why I pay you. Um, So uh, I literally Googled LegalZoom and started an LLC. And then when I was told, you know, we're not going to give you this loan because we think you're laundering money in a a drug cartel because you have like 20 W-2s. I went, oh, what? Uh, Huh? And they said, oh, you can probably start your own company so you can be on a payroll. So I then moved uh, key lighting from an LLC to an S-corp and I started paying myself and just 
you know, find out on the way. And there's nothing out there that I know of that says, do this, 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 because every journey is different. But um, it was like the best step I think that I did was making it an S corp and just becoming a more of a professional business. Cause I think also people take you more seriously once you say like, no, I, you know, it's a payroll. I, I know how to run a business. I know how to professionally conduct a contract, negotiate, and you build those skill sets as you learn how to develop your own business. And that is something that you must find out on the way. And again, it's a growing experience that as a business owner will only make you stronger in the long run. People go, oh my God, that's so intimidating to start your own company. I'm like, actually, it's not. It's it's actually, uh, it's uh, freeing to know that you are now in control of your finances. You're in control of who you work for, or what you do, and how you define yourself as an individual and a company. It's worth the work or the stress or the effort. Yeah. I could see where it's like, uh, it looks overwhelming because like you just hearing the the short version of what you did, right. but it's very comprehensible. But at the same time, it's like, wow, like I have to do that. And that's, that's scary. But like you said, if you don't do it, then you don't do it. Like if you don't challenge right. yourself, then you're not going to get anywhere. Um, yes, it's very, it's very intimidating, uh, especially in a man's world. You don't want to be like, how did you start your company and be this girl that's doesn't have an idea of what she's doing, but she really doesn't have an idea of what she's doing. So she's going to figure out for herself and be like, what, you didn't know that? Um, <laughs> that happens all the time. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Nutshell. Love it. Seeing that this is a predominantly male environment, what has been your experience? Um, unfortunately, a lot of us, especially um, in the tech industry, we females that walk in the door have to work twice as hard as a male that just walks in. Mm -hmm. Um, it is something that, that I've learned from the get go. Like it's not fair. It's not fine. Okay. I'll work twice as hard, but when you work twice as hard, you become twice as good and Mm -hmm. you learn how to fight in internally and quietly. And then all of a sudden, you know, you are where you are and you're like, yeah, that's right. Because I've put extra time in. I've had to work just as hard. I've had to work. I had to, learn quietly and ask smart questions, not ask dumb questions or else you'll be the stupid girl. So you would have to learn on your own. You would have to train yourself. You would have to find out by failing. And I think that's the best way is to learn by failing. So I try not to make it about being female because at the end of the day, we're all just people doing the same job. Um, and yeah, you have to work twice as hard. You'll be the, the bunt of every joke. You'll be, you know, looked over because you are female come, you know, and they think that you just don't have the right experience or that you're here because you're someone's daughter or, you know, wife or something. And you just got to prove them wrong. And that (laughs) you tell a woman to, you know, (laughs) uh, just justify her existence. Watch out because man, we come back with vengeance and then some. <laughs> I love that, Tiffany. Coming back with a vengeance. Yes, I love that. I think being in this industry, it is really tough. It's really tough to be being a female leader and having all of these people looking to you to make these really tough decisions and not only lead your team, but also have enough confidence in yourself to let your work speak for you. And I guess my question to you is, is that you've landed some really amazing 
gigs and have had some amazing opportunities. So do you feel like as you've progressed, as your career has progressed, that you can relax a little bit and let your work speak for you? When you're a female in the industry, you'll come across times where you feel like you're just getting hired to be because you're a female. Mm -hmm. Like there are many times right now where I'm being reached out as an individual. And I feel like they're only reaching out to me because I am one of the very few females in the TV industry. Um, I was on a gig where a very corporate, corporate gig and a lady who was uh, representing the company comes up to me and goes, Hey, can I get your business card? I'm like, yeah, of course she goes, we're looking for females to hire for the next show because our bonuses count on it. And I was like, wow. Wow. Why it makes me really want to work for you guys. Like, <laughs> like you don't, you don't, and I never knew her. Like she never interacted with him before. She just comes up to me and she's like, we would love to have you as a female blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what, what would that say if I were like, were to do a job just because it's all females, what kind of product is it? Is it because they're good at what they're doing or is it just because we're females in this industry? Yeah. And it's unfair. I think it's not mm-hmm. like, I just, I just want to be a programmer working and doing a job and I want to get hired based on my work, not of what gender I am. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the real world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that's a subject that I don't think a lot of people talk about as you know, this uprising of uh, female leadership is that are we really getting hired because we are the best or are we getting hired because it brings a demographic? Yeah. But I think that once you've you've hit that demographic, even if let's say you are being hired because of the demographic and you take the job, it's the work mm-hmm. that you leave behind that's going to speak, I think. As long as you, you're conscious Definitely. of that, I think that's what, what matters. Because and you still put your best foot forward. Yeah. yeah. Cause, and, and Mm -hmm. we can't, that's the responsibility we have to bear on our shoulders. Like we can't go in saying, I'm just here because I'm a woman and this is what I'm going to do. Cause I'm going to get my next gig based on that. Cause that's a wrong Mm -hmm. mentality. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that we're being in the entertainment business. We have to know how to talk to people going back to what we were referring to earlier. We have to know how to talk to people. We have to read the room. We have to present ourselves as strong individuals, individuals, because we are going to be talking to different groups. And ultimately, I think that our goal is to leave the art behind and let the art speak for itself once we were gone. Um, And so we're always going to try our best to put our best foot forward. I know that I personally want to walk into a room and not feel like I'm a girl and they're looking at my skirt, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is. So I try to come in very neutral <laughs> and mm-hmm. like wear my pants, <laughs> but I like to dress first, cute. First impressions <laughs> are for, for real. Yeah. And oh, you have to yeah. work it. And sometimes you, that's part of it, you know, just it's who you are and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And you should be feel confident coming in, being that, and then doing your job and allowing your job to speak for itself and being taken seriously for that. I think that's a struggle that we all have as women. And um, it's just allowing yourself to be who you are, having that awareness and coming in and doing your job. And hopefully someday, maybe 20 years from now, people just look at us as the next human being that's walking into the room. The right person for the right the job. Right person and, then, for the job. Mm-hmm. and the people that have doubts, you just have to do what you do best to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. What's your sign? Yes. 
I haven't figured out by now. It's uh, I'm a Capricorn. Yes. Hard ass working working. Yes. Oh my God. If you haven't figured that out by now, independent hard ass work. Uh, Yeah, that is is who I am. I'm definitely a Capricorn. You were like, we haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you sometimes miss? Do you sometimes miss performing on stage? Uh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) When I'm looking up there, um, I get to do. uh, So you think you can dance for the last uh, six years? I go in for like two to three weeks. Um, the core team goes and does the VMAs, and then um, a couple of us come in and we get to program the show. Uh, for a couple weeks and I love I just love watching it you become really emotionally involved and it just brings back so much memories and then you know at the end of the day you're like yeah I'm glad I'm not getting up and down off that floor at the age of 30 something like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, but we, especially but we got to work with some amazing you get to work with some amazing creative um, choreographers and that connection that you get to make with them being an ex-performer professionally too you know I did it as a living at a very young age um you know nappy taps they you know watching them grow up as dancers turn choreographer production people now it's always a fun Mm -hmm. thing to go back and work with them because they're so collaborative and love listening and you have the certain um vocabulary as an ex-dancer with other ex-dancers and it's it's like this bond it's like yeah we used to be dancers but we got out Mm -hmm. just in time (laughs) <laughs> Before for my, my body deteriorating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I miss it but at the same time uh, you, I get to contribute to it on stage as much as I would have as a performer I get mm-hmm. to contribute just as much as lighting and if I don't like you I'll block you out mm-hmm. I won't like you <laughs> <laughs> no it's, uh, it's a great it's a great I love it it's it's a perfect combination of the little nerd in me and the performer and getting to be a, a female in this industry leading the way on to very ambitious women who want to do the same it, it has definitely uh the best of both worlds in my, in my life. Yeah. I love how you embrace everything that you are, you know, from like as a child to now and all the growth that you've done and the different exploring of careers and you've embraced all of that. And it makes you a stronger person versus like someone who might deny something or be ashamed of a part of their life, like not allowing that to to be a part of who you are currently because it's all those building blocks have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be that connection. So thank you. And as an art, I mean, we still are artists, mm-hmm. whether we're stage managers, tech, not, mm-hmm. you know, techs or performers, we're artists. And by having those different backgrounds, it really makes us as diff- unique individuals that this industry needs. We need that diversity mm-hmm. because we do showcase humanity and so being humans ourselves and really looking at it from a uh, open eye, we get to showcase what life really is. And we get to pull them out of it too mm-hmm. and create that mm-hmm. fantasy world and create a different world that people don't want to be a part of, but mm-hmm. can still connect to. Yes. And that is just the human connection. Where do you yeah. see the business evolving to, especially right now with this whole COVID-19 era and being quarantined and entertainment being not considered an essential business at this time, even though everyone's looking at their 
you know, TV screens and iPads and all of that watching Netflix and whatnot. But like, how, how do you see that developing and evolving, especially for you and your business? Um, Entertainment is resilient. We have been through so much. And then at the end of the day, humanity will look towards being entertained in the darkest of times. So there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that this industry will uh, get through it. It might be slow at first, but man, once we're able to produce Mm-hmm. Um, it it's gonna go it's like wildfire because people are gonna look for to be entertained and to be pulled from reality because that's what we do mm-hmm. as entertainment we pull people out of reality and into imaginations and um, there's only so much at home specials that you can watch of people singing in their kitchens <laughs> uh, we. <laughs> It's true. We we, it's turn, true. we tune into, we go to concerts, we go to events, we tune into shows to be pulled out of reality. And mm-hmm. so once we are able to take those shows back to the production value that we used to have, and there will be ways, we will find ways because we are victims of our own success. We will find ways to deal with whatever um, restrictions any state puts on us. We will find a way to make the best production out of anything. And, um, Yes, it will be a little different as far as the road to get there, but I think we will be coming back in a form of producing what we used to. So tell us some of your favorite stories because you've programmed for some big time TV experiences that we've all seen. We've all seen the Grammys. So tell us (laughs) some of your favorite stories. Uh, Oh gosh. Uh, My favorite one, which was uh, one of the topic ones is... um, Miss Universe when Steve Harvey announced the wrong name. Oh, I was, I was watching. Steve is an awesome guy. He really is a sweetheart. I, I, I've always had a great time uh, with him being a host on one of our shows that we have, like Little Big Shots I did too. And it was, it, he's a great guy. And you just felt for him when he, like he had such a blast. It was his first year doing it. He was loving it with the ladies and introducing and cracking his jokes. And then when that happened, that poor man, I mean, so there we are, and we we find out uh, we find out that we know who the winner is, and so we were calling the spotlights and like, all right, spots, just stay on the girl in the blue dress. Whatever happens next, stay on the girl with the blue dress wherever she goes. Okay, great. And they announce the winner, and the girl in the silver dress goes to pick up the crown. I'm like, holy shit, they said the wrong name, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was overcome. <laughs> and uh you know mass hysteria chaos happening all over pl and uh just trying to figure out what to do next and you know oh send so-and-so out to tell the audience steve has to go out and tell the audience he needs to go explain and so it took like i want to say a good five minutes and this poor girl sitting downstairs center thinking she won miss universe and then we're like all right spots now very gently come up on the girl in the blue dress very gently and you're we're watching our program monitor of what they were taping and you see her face just change and like nothing can prepare you for live television and that was truly (laughs) I think one of the craziest moments and while all of this was happening um there is a woman who uh was driving a car with a child in it. And she, outside of our venue on the Las Vegas Strip, drove up onto the sidewalk and hit a couple people. So 
you know, while we were all this chaos was happening, they said, oh, and by the way, our, our venue's on lockdown because someone got shot outside. And we're like, oh what is this? What's going on? You can't write this shit. Oh my God. Like, we're, stuck, we're stuck in a room full of mad Filipinos and uh, Chilean. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> the, the, the patrons alone were like furious about what was going on. And, uh, you know, because to, to a lot of the... Um, the audience of the Miss Universe, this is their Super Bowl. You know, this yeah. Miss Universe yeah. is their life of like, they follow these girls. And I mean, it was, it was a huge upset. Um, and that lived on for a good year. I mean, poor mm-hmm. Steve did not live, live that down. And we did a couple of gigs with him where he was like, you know, introducing the wrong people. And it was, it was great. Um, <laughs> but that's one of them. Oh, I remember that night. And, the Filipino community lost their shit. <laughs> that was a crazy night. Oh, Tiffany, oh, yeah. this, been, this has been great. Now, to round off our fireside chat, what advice or words of wisdom would you like to share with future Tiffany's out there and our audience in general? Um, say yes. Uh, a lot of people, oh, and the biggest question everyone asks me about is how do you get into the industry? Like, how do you get your foot in the door? Find out who you want to work for and be there, be amongst them. Like if, if it's a PA or if it's an assistant or if it's just a, a helping hand or an internship, if that's the company that you want to work for, get in there, get your foot in, be where you want to be. Um, I had an intern friend who moved out to California for the first time. He left Boston for the first time his entire life, came out to California, Mm -hmm. was an intern for a design firm that um, I work for. And he asked me, he's like, Tiff, should I stay or should I go back to Boston and like learn there and then come back out when I'm ready? And I'm like, why would you want to go and learn in Boston when you want to do stuff in LA? Like, if this is Mm -hmm. where you want to be, learn here. Like, if you want to work for this company, ask for a job. Like, say yes. Be where you want to be and build there. There's no reason for you to go to, like, a smaller design firm or a different um, aspect in this career and learn there. Get in the door and build there. Because you in this industry, you only follow up. I mean, it, you will build on that foundation and learn how they want to do it, and you will grow from there. Don't be afraid to fail because those are the best times to learn and to show who you are as a person. Because if you can fail graciously, you will succeed even better. You will succeed beyond. Um, And that's a huge thing. Like, fail. But if you do, learn from it and fail graciously. Like, there are times where I mess up all the time. Like, I I say, hey, guys, this light's not working or I don't have this side of the rig or something's wrong and, you know, I'm not paying attention and it's on my end and you just had the crew running around for the last hour trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and by owning up to your mistake and saying oops guys you know what my bad it was on my end I am so sorry first round's on me owning up to your mistakes and acknowledging them and telling them how you're going to right your wrongs I mean that also mm-hmm. speaks volumes it shows that you learned um that you are not afraid to say that you you messed up um, mm-hmm. that I th- think is one of the biggest things that people don't realize that honesty and being able to claim your own faults and failures is a big thing. Cause then I can now learn, know that you've learned from that mistake and that I can trust you. Well said. 
That's great. Thank you so much, Tiffany, again, for taking the time to meet with us. My gosh, such an incredible journey. And I hope that um, our listeners here, especially our little aspiring Tiffany's, (laughs) 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 want to someday become a lighting programmer, will uh, definitely benefit from this interview. So thank you. And feel free to hit me up on my website and email me if you have any questions or just have general information or want to know something about this industry. I am always here for those. Yeah. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You heard her. If you'd like to follow Tiffany on her latest projects, you can visit her website at www.keylightinginc.com. You can also send her an email through there or follow her on Instagram at one spicy tech. That's the number one spicy tech. And don't forget to listen in every other Friday, wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening. Bye everyone.